This morning, God's Word does come to us from Psalm 72. Psalm 72, and we'll be reading all the verses of this chapter. Psalm 72, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's Word. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures, and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be continually made for, made for him continually, and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon, and may people blossom in cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, son of Jesse, are ended. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you also to turn to the back of your Trinity Psalter hymnal to page 880, page 880 in the back section. This is Lord's Day 19 of the Heidelberg Catechism. And this morning I'll read for you uh, question and answers 50, 51, and 52. Reading from page 880, Lord's Day 19, question 50. Why the next words, and sits at the right hand of God? The answer, Christ ascended to heaven, there to show that he is head of his church, the one through whom the Father governs all things. Question 51, how does this glory of Christ our head benefit us? First, 
Through his Holy Spirit, he pours out gifts from heaven upon us, his members. Second, by his power, he defends us and preserves us from all enemies. And question 52, how does Christ's return to judge the living and the dead comfort you? In all distress and persecution, with uplifted head, I confidently await the very judge who has already offered himself to the judgment of God in my place and removed the whole curse from me. Christ will cast all his enemies and mine into everlasting condemnation, but will take me and all his chosen ones to himself into the joy and glory of heaven. Well, this morning we continue our study of the truth of the Word of God confessed in the Apostles' Creed. And last week we talked about the ascension of Christ, the fact that he returned to heaven from earth, and the benefits that we have from that. We have our own flesh in heaven, a, a guarantee God will take us bodily to be with him in the last days. We have Jesus Christ there interceding on our behalf. We have an advocate with the Father. He speaks to the Father in our defense. And now today we continue to talk about the blessings of Jesus Christ and his ascension and what he is doing right now. Remember I said last week, children, he's not just sitting around. Jesus is active right now. He's active particularly interceding for us, but he is also active ruling us and ruling over all creation. We refer to that as his session. Jesus Christ now sits in session. Uh, we don't really use that term a lot today with regard to rulers, authorities, but when a, when a king would sit on his royal throne, he was said to be sitting in session. Now we do use that word in terms of the court system. If you have to go to court, and the court begins. What do we say? The court is now in session. That same term is used for a king who sits on his royal throne and who, who exercises his authority. He is sitting in session. That is what Christ is doing right now. He is sitting in session as king over all creation. And Psalm 72 gives us a picture of what that kingship, what that session looks like. The title of this psalm, the superscript, uh, of Solomon, or sometimes entitled for Solomon. Uh, a prayer for the king. Perhaps a prayer by or for Solomon himself, king of Israel. But we know that ultimately, this psalm points past Solomon, son of David. It points to David's greater son. It points to the work. It points to the session of King Jesus Christ. And that is what we look at this morning. What is the character of the kingship of Christ? Our psalm begins, Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. What is the character of his kingship? It is righteous. He is a righteous king. 
He is a just king. And we think of this perfection, this righteousness and justice in contrast with the earthly rulers we so often see around us. When we think about those whom God has placed in authority over us by his divine providence, would we say that their, their decisions and their ruling is characterized as righteous? It's very hard for us to see that at times. Would we say it's characterized as just? Often there are unjust rulers, unrighteous rulers. And yet Jesus Christ, the perfect king, his kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness, a kingdom of justice. Our confession says in question 50, why the words, he sits at God's right hand, Christ ascended to heaven, there to show that he is head of his church, the one through whom the Father governs all things. The Father, holy, righteous, just, rules through the Son, who is also holy and righteous and just. Those who are, who are a part of this kingdom don't fear unrighteous rule, don't fear uh, injustice. But they know that Jesus Christ, the just ruler, the righteous king, is ruling over them. Verse 6, may he have, excuse me, verse 6, may he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. May he be like rain and sun sent in the proper time to water the earth, to grow the plants, to, to increase what is there. That's what living under, under Christ's kingship is like one who is there in righteousness, in justice. And he goes on, verse 7, may, in his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound. Peace abounding in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Peace, righteousness, holiness. This is the character of his kingship. And it is a kingship which is also going to continue forever. The character of that kingship is it is an eternal kingship. Verse 5, May they fear you while the sun endures, and as long as the moon, throughout all generations. As long as there's sun, as long as there's moon, that's how long his kingdom is going to be. Kids, as long as the earth is here, there's going to be sunshine, there's going to be the moon. The kingdom of Christ is an eternal kingdom. In fact, it'll, out, it'll outlast those things. Even the sun at moon at some point will pass away, but his kingship will never pass away. Temporal kings in Israel would come and go. Some of the kings, good kings. Some of the kings, bad kings. But the one that was true of all of them is none of them lasted. They all would come and go. They'd reign for a time, and then someone else would reign. Jesus Christ is the final king. No one will succeed him. His kingdom and his kingship last forever. And the character of that kingdom, it's a righteous kingdom, it's an eternal kingdom, and it is a kingdom that is everywhere. Verse 8, may he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. We sometimes pray that God would bless our country, we might say, from Atlantic to Pacific, all of it. 
We see God's kingship over the world. We say from North Pole to South Pole, Jesus Christ is king everywhere. He rules over everything. And the fact that he is reigning and the fact that he is ruling gives meaning to what we do right now. It gives meaning to every part of our life. While it might seem like it sometimes, we are not living in a chaos. We are not living in a world where things happen at random. But we are living in a cosmos. There is order, there is structure, because Jesus Christ is king over everything. And that gives meaning to our lives. It gives meaning to every part of our lives. When we gather on the Lord's Day, as his people, as his church, we recognize that church as a part of his kingdom. It's a certainly wonderful thing we do here when we gather for worship. But the kingdom is beyond the bounds of the church. Jesus' kingship is not limited to what takes place on Lord's Day morning and Lord's Day evening, or even all of the Lord's Day. His kingship is over every day, every time, every place that we go. He is is king in our homes. That's why we act the way we do. That's why, husbands, we are called to love and care for our wives because Jesus Christ's kingship compels us. He is ruling over our marriages. That's why we as wives lovingly submit to the husbands God has given to us because Jesus Christ is king over our marriages. Children, that's why you obey your parents. Jesus is king of your home. He's ruling over what takes place. That gives meaning to our work. We don't just go and and, uh, uh, punch a clock. We don't just go and put in our time. We go to work because Christ's kingship is over everything, over the labor that he gives to us. Whether that labor is in the shop, whether that labor is in the office, all of it under Christ's kingship. Christ's kingship affects how we educate our children. Education is not neutral. It is not aside from his kingdom, but his kingdom includes education. And we have a wonderful history, a wonderful tradition of educating our children in schools that are committed to recognizing Christ's kingship, to recognizing his lordship and his rule over all. Christ is a righteous king. He is an eternal king. He is a king who rules over everything. And what is, it, what is it that he does as he does that ruling? What is, I, I have the word method, maybe not the best word for the art line, method of his reign. Well, verse 3. May the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. Verse 7. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. What does he do as he reigns? He brings prosperity to his people. We have a king who brings prosperity. And I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good to me. I like a ruler who will make me prosperous. I like a ruler who will bring prosperity to me. And too often, Too often we read a text like this and read it with such 
earthly eyes. This is not a text which speaks, first of all, in earthly terms. Even Jesus' disciples got it wrong at times. When he, when he comes back from the grave, they ask him, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They thought in very earthly terms. And too often we, we fall into that trap of measuring prosperity only in terms of health and of wealth. No, this is a term which speaks of a spiritual prosperity, a true prosperity which we have. And part of that prosperity is that we know the king and we have access to the king. Kids, I've always thought it would be so cool if I could know somebody in high authority in the government. If I, if I knew the governor, if I knew the president, and I could just walk up to the White House and say, hey, it's me. And they say, come on in, and walk up to the Oval Office and go to the secretary and say, is the president in? Sure, go on in. That would be so cool. Be able to walk up and just know the person in charge. We know and have access to the king over all creation. The one who rules over all over every nation, over every part of our lives, that ruler we know and we have access to, Jesus Christ. We can turn to him at any time, and he will hear us. He will hear us talk to him. He never says, I'm too busy for you. That's prosperity. That's spiritual prosperity. That in times of blessing, and in times of trial, we have access to the King over all creation. Our confession says in question 51, how does Christ's glory as our head benefit us? First, through his Holy Spirit, he pours out gifts from heaven upon us, his members. He pours out gifts to us. We think of that not simply in earthly terms. We think of that in heavenly spiritual terms. Of course, that greatest gift he has given to us is the glorious gift of salvation. That he has done everything necessary to secure an eternity with him for each and every one of his own. That is a truth we hold on to, perhaps even particularly today. We hold that truth. That Jesus Christ has not offered us salvation. He's secured our salvation. And we can be sure that everyone who dies in him is with him even now. We have prosperity because of the king. Prosperity and we have protection. Verse 4, may he defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. We have protection against the enemy. Again, from our confession. Second, by his power, he defends us and preserves us from all enemies. He defends us. He preserves us. We have protection. 
Protection as his people, protection as his church. It comes as no surprise to you when I say the church today continues to be under attack, continues to minimize, seen as minimal in its importance, continues to be plagued by the difficulties of theological pluralism. Everyone has a bit of a truth, so we don't really care about any of you. The church is under attack, and yet we need not fear for we have a king who protects and defends us. The church comes under attack from those outside, from under attack from those inside, continuing to attack the beauties of the Word of God, the fundamentals of the Word of God. How many times today don't we continue to hear challenges to the doctrine of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone? That, that, that fundamental truth of how we are saved continues to be attacked. And yet we need not fear. We need not fear, for Jesus Christ is on the throne. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. He is reigning. He is defending. He is protecting. Satan is no match for that glorious king. And that truth gives us comfort as well. A king who prospers his people and a king who protects his people. That, that glorious king is also the judge of his people. And he will judge justly. Look at verse 12. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. A king who is also a judge, and yet he has compassion. He has compassion for his people. He has compassion for the needy. He hears our cries when we call to him. He does deliver us from affliction deliver us from grief, deliver us from difficulty. And he has one who has delivered us from the greatest enemy, from Satan and an eternity away from him. Jesus Christ has, as I said, secured our salvation and has compassion on those who call to him. These words from question 52, beautiful words. In all distress and persecution, with uplifted head, I confidently await the very judge who has already offered himself to the judgment of God in my place and remove the whole curse from me. If we ever wonder, am I really saved? Has Christ really done everything? And in the final day, will God remember I am one of his own? Jesus Christ, the judge of the living and the dead, is the one who offered himself in our place. He went before the judgment seat of God and took our punishment. He will certainly not forget that. He will certainly not forget his own. We have every assurance. We have every comfort. We have every assured hope that after this life we will be taken to glory. The condemnation we deserve will not be brought down upon us. 
for it was brought down on Jesus Christ, the judge. A blessing for each and every one who knows this king. And yet, as a judge, he will bring vengeance upon his enemies. Verse 9, May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. And certainly it is our prayer that the nations would be converted. That they would fall down before the king of kings and lord of lords. That they would recognize who he is. But if they refuse... If they refuse to acknowledge him, they will fall down before him on that last day in fear. He will be acknowledged as king of kings by everyone, either joyfully, lovingly rejoicing in our king, or with dread and fear at that king who now in vengeance brings his final judgment to his enemies. Justice on that final day. A blessing for believers. A curse for those who who do not recognize his kingship. And so we are called once again today to bow before the King of Kings, to acknowledge him for who he is, the one who has stood in our place, the one who has secured our salvation, the one who even now prospers his people, protects his people, If you have not embraced that King, if you have not embraced the Lord Jesus Christ, then today is the day of salvation. It is the day to to stop, stop following the rulers of the world, the rulers of your own imagination, and bow before King Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the King. David, excuse me, Solomon says in this psalm, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever and ever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. That is our prayer as well. That the blessing of Jesus Christ as King of kings, as Lord of lords, be seen over all creation, that he receive the glory he so deserve. Amen. Let us pray. Lord our God, we thank you and praise you for the rule and the reign of your Son, Jesus Christ. It is so easy for us to get narrow in our focus, to be so temporally minded. We look at the rulers around us and say, there is no righteousness, there is no justice. But we know that there is Jesus Christ who reigns over all things, who is working your purposes out to their perfect end. Lord God, continue to increase the recognition of his kingship. Lord God, continue to have the nations fall down before him, even as we fall down before him, and declare him King of kings, Lord of lords. May his kingship, O God, affect us today, affect us this week, as we go to our homes, as we go to our schools, as we go to our work, as we do all of our activities. May we bring praise to King Jesus Christ. Hear us, we pray, for we offer our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.